Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, where we have a lot of interesting things to get to now that we're in Belgrade. So a rousing round of applause for our investigators who have left Italy behind them, hopefully for the last time. And so before we begin, I would like to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you would like to join the Patreon, you can, and that is at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. We have a lot of interesting developments going on there in the coming months, and I hope you'll stop by and at least give it a look. So for now, though, I'd like to begin with introductions to my right. Hi there, this is Mike, and I play James Robert Fraser, who has heard that there is a splendid orchestra in the city of Belgrade, and he would just love to go and hear them play. Certainly, certainly, sir. There is uh, just reconstituted, actually, a couple of years ago. So I'm sure that there are many things you'll get a chance to do. We'll see about that. And his right. Hi, this is Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and my brother and I need to have a talk. Mm, Indeed, indeed. It seems your brother has somehow dropped a letter off. It's interesting. I'm sure nothing terrible will come of it at all. To Lady Elizabeth's right. Hi, this is Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger. And I have a lot of extra body parts, but I still want more. Yes, there does seem to be a a growing, we'll just say a a feverish desire inside of you to collect more. I'm certain that throughout the story, as it uh, continues on, you'll be afforded the chance to gobble up many body parts. And last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And uh, poor old Richard. I don't know if he's going to make it out of this place alive. You know, I really don't know either. I'm certain that we'll find out. So as you might have noticed through introductions, we are in the missing Simon Griffith formation. We are wishing him all the best at this time and uh, look forward to him being back with us very soon. Before we raise the curtain, we have the matter of a little luck refresh to get through with our investigators. And so we'll scan back to the right and stop with Mr. Fraser, and have him give us a luck roll. Surely. My luck is currently 55. Let's see if I can improve that. And I rolled a 75, so that's a fail. Splendid. So you can take 12 points of luck, sir. Excellent. Thank you very much. And uh, Lady Elizabeth? Well, my luck's pretty good at the moment. I've got 67, so I'm not expecting to fail this one. And indeed, I did not with a 32 under 67. You did not. So you get six points of luck. I'll take it. Miss Bellinger. Yeah, Maggie is currently sitting at 42 luck, which is pretty nice. We'll see how this goes. And Maggie's rolled a 35. All righty. You can take 10 points of luck. It's a very nice roll for you. And of course, we must get to Professor Courtney, who recently used 
quite a bit of luck to stay with us. In the luck box, I have shit out of written, so poor Richard. Go ahead and give us a roll and um, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I've managed to get the wrong box of dice. So I have the DCC dice today. Let's see how these do. Well, that's a 77, so clearly it's a fail. It is. Well, that's not bad, though. Uh, so I'm going to give you 17 points of luck. Ooh. Yes, they, uh, my Eldritch Glam dice have rolled something fantastic for you, all thanks to Odd Duck, its creator. All right, so now that that refresh is done, we can raise the curtain on a mid-morning in Belgrade. The hotel that you've managed to secure is uh, well-appointed. As uh, Mr. Fraser requested, it does have a uh, adjoining or a connecting room, which will allow you to utilize sort of a common area. You have managed to get hold of some local currency, which was the suggestion because spending pounds sterling here, it does come with its own potential issues. Those issues are fairly easy to perceive for all of our investigators. And that is in a city like Belgrade, who spent quite a bit of the Great War as a city on the front lines, the people here have not been built back up as quickly as some of the buildings. And so there is a rather large amount of the populace here that walk the streets that are looking very, very intently for their next meal, for the next clean pair of clothes, potentially, or a quiet place to exist. The ravages of war, as you have seen them, some of you having spent time in France, others of you having seen it in the papers, this is fairly up close. The city by no means is, has been decimated. There are many structures that have been built back up. Commonplace trades and markets flourish. The direct commercial district that you're near by the train station seems to be sort of the epicenter of those repairs, it looks like, which makes sense because it's its major commercial import from the rail service. So it would get sort of the first series of repairs and upgrades. But there is a wariness here to the people as you're around them. There is also a very keen sense of eagerness of the populace trying to change their fortunes. And so I would pass the narrative lead, of course, to our investigators and ask the question, now that you're in Belgrade and it's the morning, what are you doing? First thing Lady E is going to do is show Mr. Fraser the rather disconcerting letter that she got when he comes to bring her breakfast or whatever. Could you remind me what the content of the letter is? As you begin to read it over, seems to suggest that the sender of the letter, whose handwriting you recognize relatively quickly, is thankful that they've managed to make it out of Italy and have grown closer to a potential meeting point. The striking portion of the letter really is when the sender suggests that there is some commonality between the mother of the two of them. Yes, the phrase our mother is particularly disturbing. But that doesn't make any sense. We know that you don't share the same mother, don't we? Quite. Wonder if he means in some sort of esoteric sense. Well, I, I was wondering if it was something less than literal. Regardless, I do think we need to be keeping a very close eye out for Alexander. 
Is there any um, marking on, on the letter or its envelope that would indicate where it was sent from? So just looking over the piece itself, there was a wax seal that kept it shut. There's no other call out here on the letter. There's there's nothing like a letterhead. This is a regular sheaf of paper. It was left at reception for me, not mailed, which he somehow anticipated that we were going to be at this specific hotel, which I find quite disturbing. Either that or he's got eyes on us. He's either here in the city or someone that works for him is. Well, we're going to have a chat. He and I at some point anyway. Still have to get my book open. So, I suppose here's better than Italy. But what is it he wants exactly? He wants the book open. Which, happily, coincides with what I want. I just don't want him to see it either. So, we get the book open... And we sent him packing. That's my plan anyway. Do you think he knows what the book is? What's what's in it? He's hinted. But being of the particular family line that he is, meaning my father's, he is, of course, full of mysterious airs and hints. And I'm not going to tell you unless you give me what I want first. That sort of thing. What does he want of you? I mean, why does he not just try and take the book? He says work on opening it together. I don't know why, but apparently he needs me to open it. Could it be something to do with things that you seem to be able to do? If you know what I mean, your ladyship. I don't think he knows I'm able to set people on fire, Mr. Fraser. No, 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 but... I I rather recently learned that one myself, and I'm still processing it, so thank you. No, I don't mean that specifically, but I mean... Well, I mean the fact that you're able to do that sort of thing at all. Does he think that you have some ability that he does not I think we both I think we both have abilities in different ways Mr. Fraser considering our bloodlines father certainly did of some sort at least according to his journals and things though I never saw much beyond one particularly traumatizing evening and from what I gather Alexander's sort of wrinkles her nose in disgust mother has quite a bit of power herself Perhaps we need both bloodlines to unlock the book. I don't know, but I don't think we're quite an ordinary family. Unless it's not just bloodlines that he needs. Oh, I know what you're thinking, Mr. Fraser, and you could be entirely right. I don't understand, though, why your father gave you no indication or information about what might be in the book. I mean... Because he didn't want me to have it to begin with. Or at least he said he didn't want me to have it to begin with, but I don't know why he would try to keep it away from me when he knows that I would just go after it all the harder. He was a stubborn man in his own way. Still is, apparently. Just remembering back to the seance on the train. But regardless, Mr. Fraser, I am informing you so that you can be on your guard, so to speak. But do keep in mind we will likely have to interact with him at some point on this trip, regardless of your personal feelings about it. No, I understand, and I will do my level best to keep my temper. At this point, Mr. Fraser, I think he should be more worried about my temper than yours. Yes, I don't understand what happened on the road. I never meant for anyone to get hurt. That was not the idea, but things got out of control. Tempers got raised, and and then everything went to hell in a handbag. Mm, Quite literally. And you just sort of see the 
normal veil of distant irony just sort of drop for just a second. Just a split second. And Lady E looks a little worried, confused just for a moment. I'm not quite sure what came over me, to be honest, Mr. Fraser. I knew I could do it, and I felt a very strong impulse to do so. I will have to be more careful in the future. Maybe it was the influence of the cave or, or what, but I don't wish to repeat that particular incident. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, these are powerful forces that you're dealing with, and we may not agree on the source of them, but I think we can both agree that without a strong will, a cool head, they are quite capable of taking control of, of a person rather than the other way around. Are you insinuating I don't have an iron will, Mr. Fraser? You have the strongest will of anyone I've ever met. I will take your concerns under advisement. I don't intend to set the whole city on fire if you're concerned about that. Be mindful. These are not toys you're, you're playing with. You know that already. I, I don't have to tell you that. I do, but I will spend time as much as possible learning to control them. In the meantime, I suggest we gather the others and see what our plan of attack, so to speak, for the day should be. We do have another body part to find, as I'm sure Miss Bellinger is chomping at the bit, I think is the term. I worry greatly about that young lady. She demonstrated a singular force of will and, and determination in, in those caves. Yes, and displayed quite a bit much else as well. Well, I don't think we need to go into that, but both she and the professor are marked and changed by the experiences that we're all going through. I think more so than, than any of us. Simon, he's badly hurt and he seems to be holding on, but I think Miss Bellinger and the professor, something's happening to them and I don't think it's anything good. I'm not sure much of what's happening on this particular journey can be considered good, Mr. Fraser, but we merely have to work with what we have. Why don't you go and see if Miss Bellinger, the professor, and uh, Mr. Griffith are up for receiving visitors this morning? Although if the professor or Mr. Griffith need more rest, considering their physical states, leave them alone. Hi, well, um, I have a couple of wee errands I was thinking of, uh, of running as well this morning, your ladyship. Go into the opera, Mr. Fraser? Much as I, I, I very much enjoy to partake of the, uh, the musical talents of the orchestra here, I think perhaps we'll have to leave that to another day. No, I was thinking more of, none of us speak the language here, so I was going to see if I could procure some sort of phrase book or something. And I also, I'd like to see if I can find, if there is a newspaper in, in English here, everywhere we've been that has had a, a part of this simulacrum that we're seeking, some kind of malady has befallen the inhabitants. And I was wondering if Belgrade was suffering from anything similar. Well, I do have a Russian phrase book. But if you wish to find something in the local dialect, then that might not be a bad idea. Aye, aye. Well, I mean, I dare say that this fellow, Dr. Yodorovich, uh, is that uh, Jodorovich? I'm, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. At the museum, I, I dare say he'll have English. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But we may find that we need to have some way of communicating with, with the people of the city if we're to find what we're looking for. 
We'll find a way, Mr. Fraser. We'll find a translator or something, but we should get get to work. Aye, well, I'll go down to uh, reception, but I'll, I'll pop in on the professor and, and Miss Bellinger on, on my way there and, and see how they're doing. And uh, we'll have to make good speed, I think, because time seems to be uh, something we're running short of. Okay, so speaking of, I'd like to look in on Miss Bellinger and see what she's up to on this, we'll say, relatively crisp April morning. Having settled into her hotel and likely her trunk of body parts in its preparatory place, likely taken them out, maybe had laid down, had a small nap with them just to make sure that they're close to her. I tend to them on a regular basis, yes. I feel like Maggie is invigorated. We've put the past behind us. The horrible days preceding this are gone. And Maggie's eager. So Maggie, you know, gets up, tends to all of her body parts as needed, and uh, is is ready to head out for the day, excited to check out the museum. All right, then. So it's probably about that time that uh, when you are just ready to sort of step out the door, there's a knock at your door. So Maggie's already, like, right at the door, so it doesn't take too long for her to open it. Fraser might still even be in the knocking process when that happens. Yeah, you see Mr. Fraser standing outside your door. Oh, Mr. Fraser, good. You're up and ready to go. I was just going to go see the professor for a short bit before we head out. Aye, aye. Yes, indeed, I was uh, wanting to see how you were and uh, what uh, your plans for the day were. Oh, I'm in terrible pain, but hopeful and and looking forward to the day. Oh, what's the matter with you? Oh, I ache all over. There's tightness in my chest and my my joints are all terribly sore. I love it. I beg your pardon? It's, It's kind of fantastic in a way. Perhaps Paul can do something to help. Perhaps he has some pain relief medication he can give you. Oh, he's helped me plenty. I see. I think we're planning to go to the museum to see the curator there. Fantastic. That's exactly what I was thinking. The sooner the better. Why don't you go and see if the professor's uh, up and about? I have a couple of wee errands I'd like to run, uh, and perhaps we could uh, meet down in the in the lobby a little later on. That would be fine. I will go check on the professor and meet you down there. Splendid. Yes, and, uh, well, I, I hope your aches and pains... Uh, um, uh, don't last too long (laughs) so professor you are in your room having uh, just settled in a little bit ago there's a chair there by the window that gives a look across the city and then the river beyond you can see the marketplace sort of in the distance based off of the cooking fires and some of the other milling of people and the dust in the air that's definitely where the market is your memory speaks to you almost as if through a dream and and you hear an older voice say to you, the jeweler is here. Don't forget about the jeweler. I think as Richard stirs from his sleep, which he probably did a little while ago, he's, I, I imagine him in his pajamas and he's probably just aching from being shot as he probably would. I've not been shot. I don't know what it feels like. I can imagine that he's trying to sort of get up, move around a little bit, and he's probably having to unstick his pyjama from, you know, bits of bloodied dressing and that sort of thing, and I imagine he's sort of very slowly sort of 
creaking and it's sticking and he's out peel, peeling it off and all that kind of thing. So I imagine he's uh, he's feeling very sorry for himself trying to trying to get out of bed. Yeah, that lines up with the way I would imagine he's still trying to recover from being shot twice on the railway platform. Maggie knocks on your door. Oh, um, uh, come in. Maggie kind of peeks in. Are you decent, Richard? I have my pajamas on. Oh, that's fine. Maggie will come in. How are you feeling today? A little bruised and uh, and worse for wear, I'm afraid. I've been shot before. I, I, I'm not quite sure it's something I'd recommend. Everything's achy. Oh, well, I understand how that is. I'd offer you a replacement body part, but I don't think that's how it works, Richard. Uh, no, quite. I'm, I'm quite attached to mine. Yes, I, I, we, we, we should get some tea or something. I, I, I think that would be um, calming and soothing and perhaps good for the constitution. Oh, yes. Uh, we were actually talking about going to the museum today in a little bit, heading out. Do you feel like you'd be up to that? Well, not really, but I, I mean, it's a, a fascinating place, I understand. So I, I shall make the effort. I, I can always come back if it's too much. Of course, yeah, of course, Richard. Was there anything I can I can help you with while I'm here? Do you need help getting dressed or anything? No, it's a, it's a slow process, I'm afraid. My uh, my bedclothes here, my pajamas are sticking to the um, dressings that Paul applied. Well, I could get Paul to help you then, because if they need changed, that would be. Yes, yes, that's that's a good idea. Yes, yes, if you wouldn't mind, I'd be I'd be very grateful. Yes, I can. I can certainly do that, Richard. Thank you. If there's an opportunity to uh, ask a reception to bring up some tea, I'd uh, that would be splendid. Oh, of course. I I don't think Mister Fraser was in too much of a hurry. He said we could meet downstairs in in a bit. So I think I think there's time. A nice slow morning would be a, a good thing. I think. How's your pitching arm, by the way? It's fine. I I can't really move. It, it hurts, you see, where I've been shot. My intercostal muscles, I believe they're called, or my ribs are oh, aching something rotten, I'm afraid. But of course, you're more than welcome to use the, the electric device if you, you wish. Understood. I I will go fetch Paul for you. Ah, thank you. I will go fetch Paul for Richard, yes. Yeah, Paul uh, answers his door soon after you're knocking and says, Oh, good morning, Miss Ballinger. He tips his hat to you. Hello, Paul. You see him wearing a hat. You've never seen him wear a hat before. Oh, it looks quite fine on you, Paul. Oh, thank you. I'm trying to be more professional in my, well, in, in the hopeful doctoral future. We are inside, though. I don't think it's needed. Oh, I was just trying it on. He takes it off. It looks quite nice. Richard uh, says, said that um, his wounds have bled through his bandages and his clothes have stuck to them. I don't know if he needs the dressings changed or not. He absolutely does. I have uh, just the thing for him. In my case here, he turns around to the table nearby with that black leather bag that he seemingly carries everywhere, and he picks it up. He said, I shall make him right as rain. Oh, perfect. He sounds a bit down this morning. He could probably use a little pick-me-up. Well, certainly, and I'm sure we all could. Um, has he had his tea yet? Oh, not yet, no. That's my next stop is to see if they can send some up. I think that's a capital idea. I will go attend to the patient and be back shortly. Oh, fantastic. I will go check on his tea. So, uh, Richard, you get another knock on the door a couple minutes later, and you hear Paul's voice from beyond a 
Uh, Professor, are you uh, prepared for um, the, the daily uptake? Yes, yes, carry on. I'm afraid everything's got a little bit sticky here. Oh, the door opens and Paul steps in and he begins going through the process of changing your bandages. It is gotten a little sticky, unfortunately, for you, Professor. He confesses. But not not to worry, not to worry. I'm sure that you'll be perfectly right as rain as soon as your tea is here. Yes, that does make a difference. It's a hard success on Paul's medicine roll. He gives you a real good bandaging and beyond that prescribes a couple of medications for you. So he gives you a tonic water that he'd like you to drink. And then there's a liniment that he uses on you. It's a little cooling when he puts it on the skin, on the places where you've been shot. There's a strange reaction your skin has to it. It's almost, it's not like someone put ice on you, but you get this feeling like there's um, a medicinal mint that's in it. You can smell now mint all over you. It does feel a little odd, but I've never smelt better. No, not at all. And you should feel relatively ready for the day in about the next five minutes. Ah, right. Uh, tea's on the way then, I guess. Yes, of course. That too. I'll uh, I'll leave you to um, take your tea with Miss Bellinger, of course. He closes up the case. Marvelous. He steps out of the room and... Maggie, soon thereafter, given the time, uh, you're probably back up with with his tea. You catch a smell of something on Paul that you're not familiar with. Does it smell pleasant or? Very. Paul, are you trying a new scent to go with that hat? It smells nice. And Maggie will kind of lean in for the sniff. Yeah, it's different. There's a mintiness to it. It's a strange smell to to have on a person that's this strong and it's not unpleasant that's the thing and it sort of gets in between your nose and and eyes and dwells there for a minute and it's almost it wakes you up what is that paul it's a liniment that um i picked up recently and um i had the uh, the chemist who helped me put it together add a few things to it uh, it's to overcome the uh, the normal medicine smell it smells quite nice it smells a lot better than it does when it's first chemically created, you understand. Well, what's it for? Oh, I shouldn't ask you that. That's that's impolite, Paul. Well, I'm seeking to fortify uh, the professor and hopefully make him ready for the day. And, well, this mixed with the tonic he's probably taken should set him right. And I want you to make a hard psychology roll. Ooh, no way, no way. 57 over 17. Well, that's very nice. Um, seemingly, Paul somehow has managed to concoct something that's going to help put the uh, pep in Professor Courtney's step. It's fantastic. Exactly what I thought he needed to. So, thank you, Paul. That is that's quite nice of you. I, you know, I have the professor's tea here, uh, so I should see you to it. Fantastic. He nods to you. I, if you need of me today, I'm going to be recovering myself after all of the uh, the work on the train here. I'm I'm still. Re- pretty tired. Of, of course, that's understandable, Paul. You've put in a lot of work lately. He heads back and you can head into the professor's room, should you choose. Oh, yeah, yes. I will deliver the tea myself. Uh, professor, uh, Richard, I have your tea for you, if you're ready. Oh, I'm uh, fabulous. I, I wasn't expecting you to deliver it. I, I'm sorry if I gave you that impression, but um, <laughs> well, thank you all the same. 
Oh, yes, I, I figured it'd be, it would be quick this way. We'll get, get you on the road. How are you feeling after Paul's visit? He smelled so nice. Ah, uh, well, yes, and, and so do I now. I'm uh, quite minty. Oh, I smell Richard as well. So, Richard, go ahead and make me a constitution roll. And Maggie, make me a power roll. Oh, that's 10. So that's that's definitely an extreme success. Fantastic. And I have a 20 under 75. Oh, very good. Professor heal four hit points. Miss Bellinger, there's definitely something to whatever Paul put on him. It's a scent that you'd like to smell more of. I waft a little bit, kind of lean in to Richard. It's just I can't quite put my finger on what it is about this. It just smells so nice. It's it's rather invigorating, isn't it? I mean, one might almost forget one was shot. He was saying he was he was going to put some pep back in your step. The marvels of modern medicine, if you're feeling that good, Richard. Quite. I, I hope I don't overdo it. I, I certainly feel better. That and the tea you've kindly bought me, I'm sure I'll be right as rain in minutes. I know that you absolutely refuse to do anything before you've had your tea in the morning, so... So for your, your player knowledge, Martin... It will be as if the professor has had two and a half cups of caffeine worth of coffee. So you are seriously awake by the time you finish your tea and the muscle sort of strains and pulls that are centered around the gunshot wounds, you barely feel them at all now. And it's pretty wondrous. I I wonder if... uh... This might help you, Maggie, perhaps, if you um, you still have those aches rather than copper. Perhaps this, this liniment would help you as well. And you'd also smell like mint. Perhaps it would. Do you think I'd have to check with Paul to see if he could apply some to me? Or do you have any leftover? Or um, Well, I, I, he doesn't seem to have left any here, but perhaps we should ask him for a vial or something. I will have to, to do that. Richard, um, I'm surprised he didn't offer me any already, though. Perhaps it's it's not for what ails me. Well, a little experimentation never hurt anybody, did it? Well, I, I, Paul was going to rest, and I am eager to get started with the day, so perhaps I can I can check with him later. Yes, yes. I mean, we don't want to bother him. I'm Maybe he'll be making more of it today. In the meantime, I'll stand close to you. Uh, maybe if I get tired, I, I'd be grateful. So, Mr. Fraser, you were going to go out and uh, run a few errands before the group began its travel for the day. If you want to recount anything specific you're going after or just let us know. Yeah, I'd like to. uh, I've already got a map, so I'm sorted for that. I'd like to get a phrase book if such a thing exists uh, hereabouts so that I can kind of communicate on a basic level with uh, with people asking asking for directions and, and that sort of thing getting across very, very simple bits of conversation. The other thing I'd like to do is see if there is a newspaper that is reasonably local that is in a language that I understand, preferably English, but if there's anything in um, possibly French that uh, I don't know if if, uh, anything here even touches on the French language. My goal is to find out if there's anything going on in the city at the moment that is similar to what we've seen going on in the, the other cities that um, that we've been at. Because it seems to be that uh, every time we arrive somewhere where a part, 
of the simulacrum exists is, is, is somewhere out in the open almost. It seems to have an effect on the people of the city. Yeah, so let me track a couple of those down for you. The, the phrase book, if you inquire at the front desk, they tell you that the most effective way would be to hire a translator as phrase books here are not necessarily as flexible as they need to be between three to four different languages that are spoken. And they can put you in touch with a a reputable group of people who do tour guides and translations for that sort of thing. That would be excellent. I'll take them up on that. Getting a hold of a paper in English is not impossible, but you do have to work a little bit for it because most of the papers here are either in Italian or they might even be in Russian. I wouldn't even call it a newspaper. I would call it more like a a news sheet as far as what you might get in uh, English translated papers, just because it doesn't seem to be as big of a call for it here. Yeah, I mean, if I can't find anything that that, uh, helps me that way, then I'll get a couple of local newspapers and see if I'm speaking to translators, I can ask them to translate them. And so I can get a a kind of feel for what's been going on, um, what's been in the news in the city for the last wee while. I'll, I'll also try and strike up conversation with maybe the hotel staff and ask them similar sorts of questions, just in a kind of a general sense of, how is the city doing in its recovery from the war? Obviously, you know, it was very badly damaged during the course of the war and life must be very hard for people. You know, just, just having a, a conversation and by that means try and get um, uh, information off people that, that live here um, about what life's like here just now and if I can try and sort of just fish for, for the information that way. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say to bring this sort of together, I think would be a psychology role which I will base off of your level of success as to what you get. Face has got fairly decent psychology. That is 40 under 62, which is a normal success. If I spend nine points of luck, I can make that a hard success. If, if that will get me some more information, I'm willing to do that. Happy to do that. Yeah, I, I would just say that it's based off of your level of success. There is more information to be gained, right? As a fair keeper, I would say that if there wasn't, I would say don't bother spending a lot because there isn't anything there. Okay, well, if there is more information to be gained, then I will spend that luck. Bring that down to a hard success. You spend down to a hard success. You have you have a conversation with a couple of people at the cafe here at the hotel while you are getting her ladyship's breakfast prepared. You've managed to secure an idea as far as who you would go to for the translation services, the guide services, and gauge a couple of gentlemen in conversation who give you a rough breakdown of just how things are here. So a couple of points here that we'd be keenly aware of. The city is rife with economic inequality. That is the nicest way to put it. That economic inequality has led to people working whatever way they can for the next dinar. And that could be anything from people choosing to make, we'll just say in a pleasant way, employment changes with the things that they have at hand in order to earn money because of the, quite frankly, the being a a town that was in the front 
of the line and have a town that was also overrun and seized by an occupying force, some very hard choices were made by the people of Belgrade. And there's that portion of it. There's a portion of the populace then who are preying on those people because they're easy targets. And so they definitely tell you to watch your wallet when you go to any of the markets because it's just a smart move. And then you get the piece directly from them, which is that there are multiple different ethnic groups here who feel like now this is their home for more than one reason. And while in the past, you know, that has come and gone, the Turkish people who are here now are real aggressive about making sure people know that they're not leaving. They've, they've come to live here because of the Greco-Turkish war and they're they're here. They want their own piece of whatever future Belgrade has. And that has caused some strife in the markets where you have Serbs, Croats, Turks, all in the same market space. And uh, it's not uncommon for there to be, we'll just say, very, very stiff stairs across market stalls when there are disagreements. And it has led to fighting. Not gunplay by any means, but, you know, the fights, the police have to break up. You know, long-standing vendors that have gone elsewhere because they don't want to be a part. They don't want to be subject to the infighting. The one thing with that hard success that I will note for you, you don't hear about a general malaise or an underpinning harm to any one specific portion of the body, which is something that you're keen enough to understand. Having encountered that, you'd, you'd be searching for that sort of Okay, well, you know, who's we got a lot of people breaking their right arm around here, right? That's happening, right? Doesn't seem to be happening here. Interesting. Thank you. I think that will probably take me a wee bit of time, so I'll then make my way back to the hotel and catch up with the others. Lady Elizabeth, you have your breakfast, your tea, etc., whatever your whatever they bring up for you. The staff here is happy to get you whatever you need that they can provide. Richard, do you have your tea? You feel highly invigorated afterwards. You feel like you could build a house. You're definitely moving, and you're moving with way more certainty than you were when you were flat on your back with two bullets in you. Miss Bellinger, you feel much the same. You're invigorated for a totally different reason, and that's because there's, you know, another piece around here somewhere, and you're a collector, and you've got to have it. So we'll, we'll bring all of you together roughly around, say, just before midday, where you can make your determinations as to which direction you're going to go. So I imagine as we agreed, we were all meeting kind of downstairs then. That's what was arranged. Professor, you're looking quite well for a man who got shot. Yes, I know. Uh, Paul's got a rather splendid uh, liniment. Can you smell it? it? It smells somewhat of mint. There's just a very slow eyebrow raise. It smells rather nice. Uh, quite. Uh, whatever it is, I'm glad it's working for you, Professor. I, I think I will decline your invitation to sniff. Thank you. I thought, um, uh, based on what Maggie was saying, it was uh, pretty pungent. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you could smell it from where you are. A lady does not comment on such things, Professor. 
Uh, right, right, of course, of course. I wouldn't expect someone of your standing to understand, of course. At least I am standing still. I, I thought for a moment there I wasn't going to make it. Did you get a good look at who shot you? I'm afraid it's all somewhat of a blur at the moment. Um, it's not every day you get shot twice. Wasn't uh, one of those gentlemen with the fez? Uh, no, no, I, I don't think it was. I was um, trying to ascertain what was going on at the front of the train. I managed to strike up a conversation with one of the engineers, and yes, now I remember, that was unusual. And um, and then somebody approached me. I thought it was one of the um, uh, the train guards uh, was, was trying to hurry me onto the train again. As uh, they, they were not keen that I was... He's just babbling away. Not keen that I was to talk to the engineers. I, I think there was something going on there. What, what was wrong with the tr- train? Was there something wrong with the train? Yes. Um, they, they said, I think, that the, the boiler overheated and there was too much steam or something, but um, I, I don't rightly recall. I mean, I, I was shot, after all, twice. That's probably not a good idea for you to go wandering off on your own. You should stick together. Well, I was on the platform. I mean, I wasn't a million miles away. I mean, who expects to be shot? on a platform. Well, it sounds like we should all expect to be shot, no matter where we are. We're involved in some very dangerous business. I don't think it was a gentleman with a fez. I... You know, you know, um, I, I do some of my best thinking when I'm not thinking. If I'm just taking a brisk walk or having a bath or something and my, my mind is somewhere else, um, I can recall all manner of things, but never quite at the time you want to. Well, that hardly helps us in this particular situation, but uh, there we are. Perhaps we can take a brisk walk now to the museum. Uh, Maybe that will clear your head and uh, you'll have a better recollection. They they didn't say anything? They just came out of nowhere and shot you and ran? I can't rightly remember right now. I will will certainly... Ask me again this evening. I'm... It's one of those strange mental things when somebody asks you a question, even if you don't know the answer... I, I believe there's a part of your mind that'll focus on it and, and think about it. I, I often solve problems in mathematics in much the same way. I, I don't force myself, but I put together something and, and I think about it a little and, and then I place it to one side and, and do something else. Perhaps a brisk walk, a nice cup of tea, that kind of thing. A watched pot never boils, that kind of thing, eh? Well, perhaps. I, I don't... Sometimes if you force it, it doesn't happen as, as quickly as you'd like, and it's, it's, it's better to let things take their course. Any, anyhow, sorry, I, I, I'm somewhat rambling on again. Lady E's eyes have politely glazed over at all this mathematics conversation. Well, I have managed to obtain uh, contact details for a reliable translation service. I think that might be of some use to us. Another thing I've uh, managed to discover is that there does not seem to be any affliction on any of the people here living in, in Belgrade, similar to that which we've, uh, which we've seen in the other cities we visited. So I don't know if that means that the peace that we're looking for is further afield or whether it is perhaps uh, somewhere undiscovered, somewhere, I don't know, underground or, or something where its uh, its influence is not affecting the people. It may be in a copper box, if you remember. Um, we had some success with Maggie 
if you remember the incident on the train with the copper wire and the, the bracelet. You think that copper might be a, some sort of shielding device? Yes, quite. Then we need to find somewhere that has a lot of copper? Is that what you're saying? Well, all we know right now is that we need to talk to this gentleman at the museum. How, f- how far is it, Mr. Fraser? Did you do you know? Yes, um, it is approximately half a mile or a little, a little more. Half a mile, three quarters of a mile from here to the museum. Oh, Lady Elizabeth, uh, would you be up for that brisk walk then? As long as there's no terrifying wind. Agreed. I think a walk sounds lovely. I have been advised as well that there are a number of rather less than honest individuals operating in, in the city here. We, we've been told we, uh, we should be careful of our possessions while, while we walk the streets here. Pickpockets, that kind of thing. Yes, I believe that's uh, that's what they were speaking of. Well, same as uh, in any big city, I'm afraid. This is true. There is also some degree of uh, friction uh, amongst the citizens of Belgrade. There are a number of uh, different groups here, people from different countries, uh, immigrants and, and so forth, that have not exactly settled down together in what you might call peace and harmony. I've noticed on the map there is uh, an area that appears to be termed Turkish town. So perhaps we stay away from that area. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We may find uh, there are a a number of people here that might be watching us. But we should keep our wits about us, keep our eyes peeled. And I don't think any of us should go off on their own. Oh, I agree. As if we would do such a thing. Never happens. Ever. Ever. I did wonder if we might stop in at a... There's a jeweller. We met a... I don't know if you remember, on the train. Uh, somebody was going to fashion me a, a lens for my device. I, I don't know if it's on the way or not. I've I still got his business card here. Uh, do you have an address here? We'll see if we can uh, see where it is on the map. Uh, yes, yes. Here, here, take it. Right. Now, let me have a look here, see. And see if I can find where, the, where this jeweller is located. Yes, uh, the jeweler is not terribly far from the museum, really, at all. You find it just close to the edge of the the park that surrounds the fortress on the map. Say it's probably just north of the town hall. Well, what say, um, Professor, you and I go and visit this this jeweler fellow? See if uh, he can do any uh, of the work you'd like him to do with the lens? And uh, your ladyship, if uh, you and Miss Ballinger uh, perhaps go to the museum, seek out uh, Dr. Yodorovich, Yodorovic, I don't know. That works for me. And do, do you have a, your um, a sidearm, Mr. Fraser? I do, I do that. Don't leave home without it. Perhaps we could get you a stout walking stick or something of the like that uh, you could re- use to support you uh, while you're still a... Uh, the walking wounded, so to speak, and uh, might also be of uh, a value to you uh, should someone attempt to accost you. Yes, quite. We, we are all turning into wrecks slowly, aren't we? Poor old Maggie is achy and, and Simon's taken some, some hits. I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel perfectly fine. So do I. So off we go then. Yeah, uh, so Richard and Fraser are going to go see the jeweler then, and then... Am I to assume then that Lady Elizabeth and Miss Bellinger are going to potentially accost the museum? Oh, yeah. 
So I think it's only right then that we look in on the museum first. So the four of you walk collectively together for quite a while. Fraser, you do step outside the hotel and you meet a young man who said that the hotel mentioned someone was looking for translation services. Ah, yes, yes, indeed. Um, are you a representative of the uh, the group that was mentioned? Indeed, he tips his hat to you. So this uh, gentleman in probably a hand-me-down jacket and slacks reminds you a little bit of Professor Courtney's level of excess. And uh, we'll just say strong leather shoes that likely have had quite a bit of boot polish on them to save them from the streets. He approaches you, he hands you his card, which introduces himself as Riddick. Underneath it says, Translator and Guide of Belgrade. And you can see that some of the some of the English there is, we'll just say, hand-worked on the card. Riddick, I hope that you'll be able to uh, provide some useful services for us while we're here in your city. Are you a, a citizen of Belgrade, a native of Belgrade yourself? I am. I have been here for all of my life. Splendid, splendid. Then you'll know it inside out, I dare say, and be able to take us where we need to go and uh, explain to us uh, anything on the way that we don't understand. Yes, and, and to be clear, you may call me Pitar if you need to. Or Peter. Peter. Well, uh, we are currently on our way to the uh, northwest of, uh, of your city, uh, up towards the, uh, the fortress. Uh. Certainly. To the market or to the fortress? Which one? The ladies of our party are going to stop off uh, at the museum. The professor and myself, we, we have a little business to, uh, to attend to in, in one, of your, uh, one of your city's fine establishments. Wonderful. Wonderful. Can I make a psychology check on, on this guy to see if he's uh, on the level or if, if he uh, appears to be chance in his arm? I mean, Fraser's paranoid now because somebody has come out of nowhere and shot the professor. Somehow, Lady Elizabeth's half-brother, if he is half-brother, we don't even know now, appears to know exactly where we are. Anyone that we, we come across, I'm treating as a, a, a potential spy for some sort of uh, opposing forces. So, I rolled a 17, which is just shy of an extreme success for my psychology. As far as Riddick is concerned, at least in your initial interactions with him, he is likely somebody who is just reputable enough that the hotel would reason to work with. But he is also likely as somebody who, as far as he says, has lived in Belgrade all his life. He likely would not look past certain opportunities. So you deal with that information as you would. All right. So keep my wallet on my inside pocket with my jacket firmly buttoned up. Well then, young man. Perhaps you would care to accompany us, and uh, as we walk, tell us a, a little about the journey we're taking. Oh, certainly. He extends a, <laughs> a hand out to the street, and you step off the sidewalk boulevard area there and head towards the fortress area, which presumably is the largest visual cue that you have of where you're off to, because it's on a hill and there's a big castle there. We have seen uh, quite an invigoration of our space here in these past few years. Now that the war is past, we are growing. In just recent years, the Philharmonic Orchestra has been reconvened and is doing splendidly well. It is, of course, on uh, winter break at this point, but should return 
in the next month or so. Oh, we've mistimed coming here. Never mind, never mind. Well, the word is, is that they're uh, spending time in Italy. Some great opera houses there, I believe, in uh, Milan. <laughs> Fraser's smile evaporates. But what about the uh, this, this fortress, this, this castle? What can you tell us about that? Well, the fortress itself is a draw for many reasons. One would be the flowers there. Exceptional. There are many uh, beds and um, statuary pieces there. Poets and other savants. There's a lovely view of the promenade, which we call the Slope of Dreaming. Yes, Richard, you get a tingle throughout your entire forehead when he says the word dreaming. Where, where does that uh, that term derive from? Is there some uh, history, story behind that? I'm certain there is. Most of the locals will tell you that it's a good place to take a rest during lunch. Maybe that's why they dream there. That sounds lovely. Uh, I'm uh, something of a horticulturalist myself. I very much like to see the gardens. You absolutely should, especially if you're going this far. I would imagine at this time of the year, uh, just starting to burst forth into light. Just start new life. Hey, is, is it possible to take a, a light afternoon tea there? Maybe some sandwiches and uh, that kind of thing? He looks, sort of looks you up and down, Richard, and says, uh, perhaps if you had packed the basket... Well, I'm sure we can furnish ourselves with a, a picnic basket on the, on the way there and uh, stop off for a, a bite of lunch. The fortress itself, which is just beyond, is the only building here in the city which is old at this point. Unfortunately, the war crushed many of the older structures here. It's also not always accessible for guests. But if you're interested and perhaps willing to part with a few sterling, I could probably get you a look inside. There's even a torture tower. Uh, how, how many um, uh, sort of sterling would you require? Oh, perhaps five pounds sterling would do it. Oh, right. Yes. Um, well, I, I mean, we, I'm sure we can find that. Richard's trying not to look too keen after his experience with Anton. We have dinar. We can pay you in your own currency. You could. Exchange rates change, of course, but I'll leave that decision to you. He moves a hand left and then directs you down a street. No, no, not, not the street, the next one. So the, the street that he keeps you from going down, when you look down that street, there's an awful lot of rubble there. And also there are an awful lot of tents that have been put up and you see people sort of milling in and out. Does that seem, from the way the map is laid out, it seems like he's advising us not to go down the most direct route? That's correct. What is the situation down there as uh, people trying to make a home uh, amongst the damage from the war. Well, some people here have decided that they are going to continue taking up residences in places that the city wants to uh, remove. They're not as easy to deal with. It's best to go around. Fraser's going to take a moment just to kind of observe the comings, the goings on down there. Yeah. Before carrying on the uh, the way that we're advised to go. So Riddick doesn't stop. He keeps going. He makes sure that Lady Elizabeth and Miss Bellinger continue to keep moving. And provided that they do, he sticks with them, giving it, say, a 10-second glance. Fraser, it does look like there's probably anywhere between 8 to 12 tents that line that section of the street. It's a pretty narrow street, all told. But these two buildings that sit left and to the right of these tents look like they were damaged probably by cannon fire at some point. And uh, while 
many of the city's buildings have been redone. These two have not been. And you can see small cooking pots that have been set up sort of in the middle to, to almost block foot traffic. Do I get the feeling that this is people who used to live in the houses that have been destroyed or whether other, other people have come and sort of taken up residence in the area? It's hard to say at which ones they would be. You, know, you really have enough information to, to know that by just like looking at them. But the tents do seem to pin into the walls that are still left, the sort of half walls that are there to keep those tent walls and, and ceilings at a, an angle to keep the, the water draining in specific places. Okay. He's just kind of walk away, shaking his head slightly and feeling uh, some degree of uh, sympathy for people whose houses have been destroyed and are now forced to live in these conditions. Yep, it's totally understandable that you might feel that way. Continuing on down the path, you get very close to the Kayla Magden fortress. So you walk basically directly along the, the wider path there that leads you past St. Michael's Cathedral, and then eventually he takes a right at that point. And you get to see all those budding flower beds and from the space here. You're, there's quite a green space there that's between you and the fortress itself, but that's where a lot of this sits at, a lot of the horticultural area. I'd like to make a botany roll. Make a botany roll. Well, I see just as, as if we're strolling past it anyway, Fraser will be uh, taking, it, taking it in and Casting a uh, semi-professional eye over it. No, that's a fail. Mm, you're going to need a closer look if you really want to sort of dig in. And you know, unfortunately, you don't. You don't have enough time. It does look like they've done a. Maybe they've begun some sort of checkerboard pattern with some of the green space there. Oh, it looks fantastic! But you just—it's not—it's not ready yet. He'll kind of um, file that away in the back of his head for a later inspection if the opportunity presents itself. Miss Bellinger and uh, Lady Elizabeth, you are summarily soon after, after a couple of rights and maybe a left, you arrive at the National Museum. I think the plan is to head in and ask directly for, um, what was his name? Dr. Dr. Todorovic? Yep, so it would be... Um, Todorovich. Okay. And then, uh, gentlemen, are you continuing on then? So inside the National Museum, you are you're taken aback, really, by the sheer number of impressive neo-Gothic architecture that's here. There is an impressive collection just here in the entryway and then deeper in of sculptures and oil paintings. And for you, Miss Bellinger, seeing all of the sculptures... It sort of sets your blood ablaze thinking about maybe the arm is hiding. It's just hiding in here in one of these sculptures. Uh, so if you either of you have uh, archaeology or art, specifically sculpt or fine art, you can make me a skill roll as you walk amongst the uh, pieces. I sure don't. I have none of those things. <laughs> either way, fairly impressive display. It's probably one of the nicer museums you've been in. There was that place in Lausanne that had some pretty nice pieces as well, but this is really something. And then uh, there, there is the main desk, which you arrive at eventually, tucked in there a little bit. There is a young man working through sorting and preparing for, it looks like some sort of exhibit that's coming. 
He stands up when you walk closer. Yes. Uh, hello. I'm looking for uh, for someone that uh, works here. Uh, the, the curator, Dr. Tavorovich. Certainly, he says. It's really struggling in English. Did they not take the translator with them? He would look at you two gentlemen and say, with the ladies or with you, which one would you prefer? The ladyship, what do you think? It might be better if uh, this young gentleman... Uh, comes with us because uh, we'll be walking around uh, the, the streets I think that's perhaps for the best Mr. Fraser more likely to find someone who speaks English in the museum than you are wandering about town Hi. well yes you, you'll, you'll be with us Peter wonderful so then that said the gentleman behind the desk the young man behind the desk seems to count on his fingers and he says I think he should be in yes He seems to almost reassure himself. And then he asks you to wait while he gathers the uh, curator. Thank you very much. So you are approached a few minutes after with the young man sort of in tow by a older gentleman, likely roughly in his 60s, gray, thinning hair, uh, parted on the left side, spectacles, large, bushy mustache, which is also great. And then a very slight an almost strange beard strip that runs under his bottom lip. Uh, he's dressed in a gray suit with a, is that paisley? There's some sort of paisley tie he wears. It's very striking. It's green and there's all sorts of interlaid something on it. And when he gets closer, Lady Elizabeth, you realize it's peacocks that make up this pattern. I like his sense of style already. He's a little flashy. He's actually the flashiest dresser you've seen here in town. Even his collar has little parts that come up a little bit. It's very um, avant-garde. He says in um, reasonable English, Good day. I am the curator. How can I help you, ladies? Thank you for meeting us. I'm Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and this is my companion, Miss Maggie Bellinger. Pleased to meet you. Uh, Won't you please? He gestures back deeper into the museum. Of course. Absolutely. He walks you through the museum and you see an array, a collection truly of impressive artwork as you go. There are an awful lot of sculptures here from many, many different eras. But the biggest portion of that statuary pieces that you walk past seem to be of a Byzantine flair. Can you actually walk through one room that has guards outside of it, like men with rifles? And when you walk through this space, this sort of portion of the museum, you see that there are statues here that are adorned with with gold. Do you have issues with theft in this museum? You have quite the uh, armed entourage. Yes, but plainly. Well, that's a shame. It is. Tell it to the Germans. Oh, that explains a lot. We're working very hard at keeping what is part of our country here including things that people might want to steal. He uh, <clears throat> coughs a little and then takes out a pipe and finishes his march back towards his office. When you get to his office, you see a very striking sculpture. It is a life-sized marble statue of Venus. It's in exquisite condition. The statue there is standing. There's a, a slight base to the statuary piece there. Again, it's full size. So it's about seven feet tall. With the base, there's a jar nearby, and it looks like there's some sort of 
clothing, perhaps, or a blanket that sits over the top of the jar. Exquisitely done. Venus is, of course, nude and sort of playfully covering one breast. And then her left arm is covering the space between her thighs. And she has almost a a grin, a sarcastic sort of upturned one portion of her mouth. And it looks like it's um, he's just finished cleaning it. Some delightful statuary you have in this uh, museum. Oh, thank you. Uh, one of our many pieces that we've kept, thankfully, um, managed to keep it from some of the other prying hands across the uh, continent. Do you collect art yourself as well, or only curate here for the museum? He adjusts his spectacles a little, sort of reside, re- replacing them on his nose very carefully. I only curate here. I don't have the space nor the uh, finances to collect pieces on my own. Hmm. Well, you're doing a marvelous job of taking care of these wonderful pieces of art. Well, thank you. I do appreciate it. It's been a life's work, of course. We are somewhat of collectors ourselves. Oh, and this is why you're here? Uh, Yes, we were given your uh, name by a Professor Smith... In London. Interesting. Professor Smith. Uh, Yes, uh, Julius Smith in London. Do you know the man? Or he knows of you? He lights his pipe. Why don't you make me a persuade roll, Miss Bellinger? Can do. That is a 93 over 20. He sort of furrows his brow a little. It's my understanding that Professor Smith was recently in a terrible accident. Uh, Yes, he was. Can I try adding my persuasion in, like try to persuade him. In what way? Mm. And just sort of lean in a little bit. It would be most helpful if you could give us any assistance if, if you know about the professor or why he would have sent us to you. He is a, a good friend of a member of our party after all, and we did help save his life after he was so terribly injured and it would be quite a favor. Hmm. Go ahead, give me a roll. Okay, I have a 60 in Persuade, so... And that is a 17. I am familiar with Professor Smith. We've spent some time together, and so you're on some sort of reconnaissance for him. Is he seeking one of our fine statues? Oh, no. In in fact, we're on a... We're on a... Our own trip to find some things. What do you know of the... Sedefkar Simulacrum. Hmm. From my understanding, the Sedefkar is a statuary piece that was broken up years ago. This, of course, makes much more sense as to why you would be here uttering the professor's name. Has he sent you on some sort of grand journey? Oh, grand at times. Less grand at others. Julius did speak of this over the years. There was a conference we met at in Paris, he talked of his um, desire to obtain the pieces. He'd come across this legend of something that had been spread apart by Napoleon's army, and he wanted it back together. He wouldn't truly tell me why he wished it so, even though I inquired. And he said the pieces were rare, and that perhaps it was unique in the way that it had been forged. And I didn't truly understand what he was interested in, Well, let's just say he was a little busy at the time. This was 15 years ago. He believes there's some sort of uh, occult resonance to the pieces. Well, then I would ask if 
Have you made any progress on his requests? Some. In what way? Why he's asking questions, can I make a psychology roll? Sure. I only have 38 in psychology, but I want to try. No, that did not work. I will make that a success with the Hand of Fate. Thank you, Hand of Fate. You get a read on the curator here, and he seems genuinely interested as to why someone's asking around for it. It seems like he's asking purely academic-based questions. Okay, so I don't think he's interested in it for his own means or in a threatening sort of way. That's good to know. We've found some relevant pieces of information as we've traveled, searching for anything that we can, of course. It's uh, quite fascinating how it was split up across Europe. Never seen anything quite like it. I would be fascinated to see a piece of it. We could arrange for you to see a piece, yes? Interesting. I am willing to take your connection with Julius reasonably far, but first I'll need to see a piece for validity's sake. I need to make sure that you're not just uh, working off of his name, you understand. Are you accusing me of being a grifter, sir? I haven't formally accused you of anything. Mm. Also, there have been many, many strange people we've run into on this journey, and it is, I mean, it may be safest to ask us because all sorts of people may be coming after us. I can tell you that there are many strange people here. And so I beg your apology, but the request for validity is based around the culture we are living in. Many people come to the store saying and assessing things and asking questions in hopes of finding some long lost treasure. And it is the museum's purview and mine to make sure that we verify these engagements. Well, that seems reasonable. We could possibly bring one here, though armed men around, well, comforting, also make me nervous. We could possibly bring you one to your house or meet, meet somewhere. Wherever is most comfortable. Are you staying here in the city or are you reboarding the train? Oh, we may be here for some time. No intention of going anywhere just yet. He looks between the both of you. What do you think, Lady Elizabeth? Where should we do this dealing? I don't think bringing it a piece of the simulacrum to the museum is quite wise. As Miss Bellinger said, presence of armed guards is reassuring in some cases, not so much in others. Is there another place we could meet that is not quite so public. Well, certainly. I'm happy to meet at whatever hotel you might be staying at. Very well. Are you free this evening? Oh, oh, we're staying at the the Hotel Europa. Oh, fantastic. I know the hotel well. Perfect. We can meet you in the lobby then. About six. That works splendidly. Wonderful. I look forward to it. As do I. As I'm certain the rest of you, our listeners, will look forward to the next episode as this one has come to a close. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Horror on the Orient Express. We greatly appreciate your listening ears. Thank you, and good night.